Welcome to Calming the Chaos Podcast, where we help you find peace in a chaotic world. I'm Tracy Canella, licensed mental health counselor, certified eating disorder specialist, and advanced clinical hypnotherapist. Calming the Chaos Podcast provides you with self-help resources for handling anxiety, stress, and overwhelm. It is not a substitute for counseling or psychotherapy. So if you like what you hear, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Thanks for tuning in. And now, let the chaos begin. In this episode of Calming the Chaos, I'm going to be talking to Dr. Ni Dang. And Dr. Dang has been a family practice doctor for at least 10 years. And in his work with families, children, adults, uh, he has noticed a lot of mental health issues coming up for all of them. And so what we're going to do today in this podcast is talk to Dr. Dang about his work, about what he is doing and noticing, and how he is helping parents and kids communicate about uh, mental health issues through his books and his writing. And so let's now welcome Dr. Dang to Calming the Chaos podcast. Welcome, Dr. Dang. Hi, thank you for having me. This is Dr. Ni Dang. Yes, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And I I like talking to you about what you've gone through uh, personally, and uh, you've talked about your concern about kids and mental health, and uh, that is just really where my heart is, too, because our children are our future, right? There's a song about that somewhere, and I think that uh, you can help us communicate a little bit better with our kids uh, through your books and also just maybe some wise counsel. That's kind of what I'm hoping uh, that will happen today. So um, welcome. Perfect. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you were you were born in Vietnam, but you grew up in Southern California. So tell us a little bit about your upbringing, if you'd like to, uh, and uh, how you got started doing the work that you do. Yeah, sure. Yes, I um, I'm the youngest in my family. We are a family um, immigrated to the states when uh, I was six, turning seven. Um, you know, big. You know, uh, moving from Vietnam to the states was a big transition for me. Um, not only language wise, but you know, culturally, it's very, very different. Um, you know, the earliest memory I can recall was uh, my uh, first day of I believe first or second grade, um, didn't know a single word of English, didn't know what's going on in class. All I remember to this day was one of the students, I don't know, he was throwing some tantrum. He went up on in front of the classroom, knocked down all the books on the floor. And then the teachers kind of just stood there and stared at him and just kind of told him to stop, which what I was assuming she was telling him because I didn't really understand what she was saying. But the, I mean, it was such a, culture shock for me because you know in Vietnam you respect your teachers you don't, you would never do such a thing that's like unheard of so I was just shocked like oh my god is she not gonna mm-hmm. him <laughs> so 
that was um, like the most vivid memory I had. And then, so I remember walking up to the front and you know, picking up the books for the teacher and then going, sitting back down. But that was uh, the biggest shocker for me to uh, kind of witness that such a, a shift in, uh, in the culture. And I was just like really shocked at how, um, you know, children are cheated uh, in two different countries. <laughs> Right, right. Well, gosh, so acting out, right? So the first exposure you you got to our culture was kids act out. Mm-hmm. And and they do because they have big feelings about something, right? I think maybe you've probably known uh, that by now. And then you do seem very well versed in English. I might want to ask you, how did you, were you just, did you just have to be baptized by fire and learn the language just by being around people? Or was there an ESL class that you were able to take to be able to help you communicate with teachers and friends and your classmates? You know, um, there were actually ESL classes, but I don't think that was where I really learned English. I think it's just, you know, just like um, how you learn a foreign language, you got to just be thrown in there, just an immersion. That's how you pick up the language eventually. Wow. Yeah, well, because you speak really great. So do you still, uh, you still speak your native language, I assume, right? Yeah, I still speak it with my family. Um, you know, I actually have uh, Vietnamese speaking patients that I use Vietnamese with. So I still use it quite a bit. Um, but, you know, in terms of learning English, you know, same with my siblings and I, we just, we just got thrown in and you guys just, uh, pick it up. Wow. Uh, okay. So that was your first exposure to our great United States. Welcome. <laughs> and then, uh, so what made you want to become a physician, a family practice doctor? You know, actually, the rest of my siblings were all in medicine, and I'm the, the youngest. So I uh, looked up to my siblings. So, you know, I saw what they were doing and, you know, decided to just follow suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you inundated with, with work being a family practice doctor? I just know that the ones around here are completely full, and a lot of them aren't taking new clients. Yeah, I think that's a kind of a universal problem now. Uh, mm-hmm. We're short doctors, and we have all these people uh, needing care. So, I think that's the same situation here. We get tons and tons of patients, and uh, yeah, everyone just wants. Mm-hmm. Well, that's another reason why I really appreciate your time today because I know it's valuable, and uh, and I appreciate this uh, this conversation. When you started to notice the mental health issues coming up within your kid population, the the children in your practice? You know, I think um, even when I was in med school, you know, you already see it. And during uh, med school, when you do the rotations and then, you know, I saw more when I uh, was in residency and then, you know, see even more as an attending but, um, you know, during the pandemic, I think it's when the, uh, the big spike in uh, mental health visits increase, you know, with uh, adults and children, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> which, you know, it's hard to kind of juggle both, you know, taking care of mental health and, you know, switching gears and taking care of uh, physical health. Sometimes it's, it's hard to uh, turn back and forth, kind of wearing multiple hats. Um you know, but the what actually um, motivated me to write this children's series was, you know, after um, getting a call from my mom late at night, 
to let me know that um, you know, I lost my nephew due to suicide. Wow. Yeah. You know, I remember the call. My mom called me late at night. So I initially, I thought it was something wrong with her or my dad. So I'm like, are you guys okay? Are you guys in the hospital? You know, that's a doctor. That's the first thing I think about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no, no, we're fine. Um, but, you know, your uh, nephew just committed. They found that. They found him in his room. And, wow. you know, in my head, I was trying to process it. Even though I'm a doctor, it, you know, it doesn't, when it's your own family, it's, it hits a little bit different. So it took me a moment to kind of realize what she was saying. You know, originally I was asking like, so is he in the hospital? Is it like attempted suicide? She's like, no, no, no. He's gone. Hmm. Yeah. It's completed suicide. Yeah. So. Oh my gosh. My, no. my sincere condolences for that. It's, that is a really heavy duty thing to go through. And regardless if you were close to your nephew or not, a suicide in the family is one of the most traumatic events that I think a person can go through. Yeah. So, you know, the, the typical um, survivor's guilt, I started, you know, questioning, like, if I'd done anything different, if I reached out, if I did anything different, would it change the course? And, you know, then I thought about what I've gone through, you know, you know, all the, the, the bullying and depression that I went through um, going up, you know, transitioning and thinking about what he must have gone through, trying to just, you know, figure out what he was thinking. Mm-hmm. And that really motivated me to kind of do something to help educate the public, um, to make mental health, you know, something uh, more common that we are able to discuss or even children to discuss among themselves. So that that was the uh, the whole reasoning behind why I wrote the series. Because um, I mean, naturally, I'm not a, a writer by any means. So so this is uh, definitely a, a step out of my comfort zone. This is not what I do normally. Hmm. Well, and you mentioned too, discrimination was something that you have faced. Uh, I, I believe probably because you're a different race than the common white culture that we have here. And uh, constantly having to self-validate, right? And depression, you mentioned. So these are all of the things you struggled with. And then uh, with your nephew's suicide, I'm not sure if your own children were born at that time, but I think your own children were also influential in helping you to write children's books. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Because then, you know, I see my kids, they're, um, they're two and four currently. So then, you know, then it just hit, hit me. I'm like, man, I, I don't want my, just thinking what that happened to my own kids. Mm-hmm. Right. So but that's when it just hit home and I was really motivated to do something. Um, yeah. That's why I, I wrote this series to help, you know, spread the words, educate, hope, hopefully, you know, make it something that you can, parents can talk to their kids about. And even hopefully kids can talk among each other about. Yeah, so here's where I'm going to go ahead and try and share my screen with you. And we're going to go and take a little trip to your website if we can. Sure. Yeah, so so pretty much these books that you have written were in the spirit of what we just did in the introduction. 
Uh, so uh, Dr. Dang became a physician because his his older siblings had, and he followed suit. And then the the uh, the suicide of his the completed suicide of his nephew, and also his own children and his own experiences being in this different culture have really made him sensitive to mental health issues. And so what we're looking at here is uh, the website of Adventures of Max and Friends, which is the series of books that you put out so that people can talk to their kids about mental health issues. So I think your first book here, it covers bullying. Am I correct about that? Yeah, that's correct. Uh huh. Tell us a little bit about Max and how you were able to develop the character. And and by the way, um, the graphics of this in just the fact that it's a picture book, it just warms my heart because I love picture books. And I don't think that you're ever too old for picture books. And I love I just love the the um, the title first day of school and he's all by himself. I mean, it just really uh, warms my heart just to see that graphic. Uh, how'd you come up with that stuff? You know, actually, like I said, growing up, um, I was kind of by myself most of the time, you know, trying to learn, trying to make friends. So I spent a lot of time drawing. So that was my uh, my uh, go-to to... Uh, get away from my like my escape to draw and be in my own world so growing up I always enjoyed drawing um, but I haven't picked up a, a pen or a, a marker or any uh, art supplies since maybe high school until uh, now did you draw this yes oh my goodness well, that makes it so much more special for sure uh, so so tell us about Max. It, Max is, is a boy. He does seem to be a boy with ears. Is that kind of like mouse ears, or what? 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 Ha, what was the uh, impetus for uh, for putting the mouse ears on Max? He's just adorable, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. So you know, I you know, I thought about making human characters, <clears throat> but um, I decided to make them uh, all animals instead just to uh, avoid any uh, exclusion of any any ethnicity or any individuals. So I thought, you know, better to just promote animals so um, people don't feel excluded if it's like a certain ethnicity or a certain uh, you know, sex, then mm -hmm. they might not, not relate to it. So I decided to do animals instead. Um, but what I did was actually I used the 12 zodiac signs uh as the uh the characters so i so you, if you notice in the book all their uh, animals were part of the zodiac sign mm -hmm. this is fantastic so so the first book as you can see here on the screen is uh is the uh first day of school and uh apparently max runs into a bully and this is something that we need to talk about as kids and parents in the real world as well, because bullies are definitely out there. There's bullies on the internet, there's bullies in your school, and there's people who try to abuse their power if they have maybe a, maybe a person that's smaller in statue and a person who's larger, or a person who has more money or power or whatever it might be. 
so is there anything that you can say about bullying in uh, in school that you could tell parents and kids uh, about just maybe some sort of a, a hope of an encouragement or just something that you'd like to say about bullying and that topic in general? Yeah, you know, so at the end of the each book, so I have a little snippet about, you know, more information about each topic. Uh, what I included there was, uh, you know, some facts, you know, studies shown that at least one out of five children have been bullied in uh, some sense. Uh, so it's relatively common. So, I mean, that's at least 20% of the population have had to do with bullying uh, one time or another. So it's not something where it's so rare that, you know, only one out of 100 kids happens to one out of 100 kids. So one out of five is you know, pretty basic, like pretty large statistics. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a lot of studies shown that, you know, creating this um, atmosphere where it's like zero tolerance, you know, you would think that it would reduce bullying, but it actually doesn't really help bullying too much. Yeah. Um, you know, creating more like a respectful atmosphere at school or in the classroom um, where we teach more respect. I think that would be, uh, they said that's most helpful in terms of um, reducing bullying. Mm-hmm. And as for parents, I think sometimes... Um, Parents don't know what to do when the kids get bullied. They just tell them, you know, just ignore them, uh, do this and that. But sometimes it, it helps, but I think the majority of the time it does not um, for uh, multiple reasons. So one of the reasons, you know, I've talked about with other people is that, you know, some kids just don't have that skill and you're expecting them to um, have this ability that they weren't, you know, innately born with or are taught. So it's kind of hard for them to, you know, stand up to the bullies or do this and that when they weren't really, you know, equipped with the right skills. You know, an uh, analogy I like to use a lot of time was, would be like, for example, you know, I don't train in any uh, martial arts or any uh, combat sports. And then you put me in a ring with someone that's been training for 20, 30 years and tell me, good luck. I mean, we all know what's going to (laughs) happen. Right. It's kind of like when you got uh, put into that uh, class at seven years old and you didn't know the language. Yeah. (laughs) So I think it's kind of unfair to uh, ask some kids to do certain things that they weren't taught or they don't have the skill set to do so. So, you know, for parents, I think the best thing to do is probably, you know, get involved, you know, talk to the teachers, talk to the principals, you know, kind of come up with a game plan or how to attack it. I think that would probably be the best way to help your children mm-hmm. uh, because they just kind of send them off and you know hoping for the best yeah and I think from a mental health perspective too when I work with kids who have been bullied I try and you you mentioned respect earlier I try and help kids develop their own self-respect and once they do that they're able to stand in their own power no matter how powerful they are physically or whatever, but they have this energetic power about them because they they understand that they have resources, they understand that they've got certain talents and strengths and gifts, and they also understand that they're they're not going to put up with being treated disrespectfully and they're going to ask for help if they need it and and those are the things that we do mental health wise with bullying and um i'm sure glad that you uh, have written this book about this um, again 
it just blows my mind that you did all the illustrations as well. That's just so cool. Yeah, you know, touching on that, I, you know, bowling is not just you know, physical. I think bowling, a lot of it is mental, where um, you know, the when you get bullied, you feel ashamed, you feel embarrassed, you feel like you're no good, you feel like it's your fault sometimes. So I think that's where the mental health comes in. I think a lot of it is, you know, I mean, getting punched or pushed or whatever, you know, like it doesn't really affect kids, but the the mental part of being bullied, I think that's what is the problem where, you know, you feel like you're, there's something wrong with you. That's why you're being done. So I, I think that's the, the, the worrisome part about bullying. It's not just the physical. Right. Anxiety and shame come up like fear, anxiety, and shame kind of come up as emotions when, and I guess depression could probably come up with bullying as well. Well, let's scroll down. Can you see this next one? Yeah. Okay. Well, this is your second book here and this is making a new friend. And yet it's not about really making a new friend. It's about uh, being uh, being in an IEP or having a learning disability, right? It's that's more the the tone of the book. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit about uh, this book and what makes it so special. Yeah. So the first book is uh, the it's about Max, who is the essentially the protagonist of the, uh, the series. And then the second book would be this book actually shifts to the bully, which is uh, who you're staring at, which is Terrence. Um, so the second book shifts to his perspective and you kind of see what he's going through, what he's experiencing and why he was acting a certain way. Um, I mean, not to give it all away, but essentially he uh, has a learning disability. He's struggling in school. And he's essentially kind of envious and jealous of uh, the protagonist, Max. So that's why he always picks on him for that reason, because he's struggling, he's having a hard time, he doesn't know what to do, and he sees the someone else doing well, and he's just irritated at that fact. And so that's why, that's his motivation behind why he, uh, he bullies uh, Max. And then uh, you later on, you kind of see them um, interact and how his... Um, mindset changes on uh and, and his opinion of max and uh, max's opinion of him changes too you know so much of this mirrors the work that i do with kids because some kids just don't understand why they're being bullied and then so what we do is we say well what are the possibilities that are going on here and yeah one of the possibilities is that the bully is envious of what you have or jealous of what might be taken away from them or they may be going through some imbalance of power their own their own selves like they could be being abused at home or they could have a disability a learning disability something that makes them feel disempowered that will actually cause them to act out on another person they feel that they can uh, be power powerful over and so this is so cool. So the, I didn't realize the second book was from the bully's perspective. That is so yeah. neat. Yeah. So, you know, with social media, I think, you know, children can't really understand empathy uh, sometimes with everything going on in the world. So that's why I made it where the book actually shifts to a different perspective of each character. So you kind of see what each character is going through, what's going through their mind, what's, what's their mindset, as opposed to what the their 
what the other characters' impressions of them are, see if it's totally accurate or not. Sometimes it's not accurate at all. Right, right. Yeah, we we can have different stories that we make up about what's going on with them, but we really know, don't know the truth until we actually ask them and they tell us the truth, right? Yeah. So, and then this third book, and now the, these are out and you can actually purchase these books. The third book says test day. And so I was thinking, oh, you're going to talk about test anxiety, but it's really more about a spelling bee. And I love this because uh, when I was in middle school, I actually won the spelling bee for our middle school. And I oh, went nice. to the, yeah, I went to the county championship and all that other stuff. And the the word I lost, I lost uh, was alligator. And I was thinking it shouldn't be two L's. It should just be one because that would be alligator. But so I spelled it with one L and I, that's, that's the word that's, that spelled me down and I had to sit down, but at least I made it to uh, county championships. And, and so this, this one is about uh, the spelling bee and the pressure that is on kids to excel in school. And there's some competition. Tell us a little bit more about what goes on in this book. Yeah, so um, the premise of the story was that he's uh, the, the main character, Max, he starts out his first day of school, has been practicing all summer for uh, the uh, the spelling bee. So his goal was to win the national spelling bee that year. And a lot of it was, I think he wanted to do that more for his dad than for himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, uh, I mean, I... You know, a lot of um, a lot of us can relate. You know, a lot of times we do things for our parents more than for ourselves. Um, so you know, he had a lot of pressure on himself to try to win because he wanted to make his dad proud. Um, and then, uh, not to give it away, but uh, essentially, what the takeaway message from um, this story is that you know, success doesn't define who you are, but uh, it's the failure that actually defines your success. And it's so, all a learning experience, right? It's all, it's all a lesson. Yeah. One of um, the uh, information I added in the back was that actually they, uh, there's, you know, studies have shown that what's the difference between a kid that's successful and a kid that is not successful. It's not, um, it's not so much about their, uh, uh, IQ score, not so much about the natural talent. Um, they found out that actually the key to a successful child is actually grit. Mm-hmm. Oh, just someone who's going to just continue to push forward no matter what, right? Yeah. So basically the, the grittiest child will be the most successful child. It's not the most talented. It's not the smartest kid. It's not the, you know, the coolest kid is the one that actually doesn't take failure and quit. Yeah. And doesn't give up. Yeah. It doesn't give up no matter what. I like the way that grit rhymes with quit too. Like uh, don't quit, have grit, something like that. And in this book, you introduce a new character, Mira, and he didn't expect to struggle alongside of her. And that often happens when you have competition and you actually have a friend that you're competing against. So so there's it seems like this this book right here has just a lot of different themes that kids face, right? Competition, yeah. pressure, uh, achievement, and friendship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, 
And I think in this fourth book is about Mira, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically a shift to her perspective. So um, uh, this, her, um, Mira, she and uh, Max are good friends. Uh, but she happens to be very smart as well. She does very well in school. Um, and they actually, um, so she actually beats him out and she goes to the the, uh, the National Spelling Bee. So then in this book, we shift to her perspective. And this is when um, you know, the pressure actually gets to her too. Because uh, this is a big competition for her. She hasn't been to this, uh, to the national level before. So then, the pressure gets to her mm-hmm. and you know, she starts having anxiety um, then starts uh, experiencing panic attacks and you know um, basically it just kind of outlines what the symptoms and signs of panic attacks and anxiety what's that feel like what's that look like and you know, what the possible treatments are so this one really uh addresses uh, anxiety in children and panic attacks and, you know, what to look for, what signs to look for, what to do as, um, as their parents. Yeah. And anxiety can manifest in so many different ways. I love that you are addressing this because yeah, once you get on stage, you can get self-conscious and get anxious. And there's a lot of now mind body sort of psychotherapy that can be very helpful for even the youngest of kids just to be able to get back into your body, take a nice big, big deep breath, um, count to eight, let it out, talk to yourself like you would talk to your best friend. Those are the kind of tips I give my kids that come in uh, with anxiety and panic. And uh, to also assure them there are preventative things that you can do. And then there are triage things that you can do when you don't expect a panic attack and it's starting to come, right? You're triggered yeah. and they, they, they can do both. They can, they can do meditation or yoga or just a little mindfulness yeah. activity every day to prevent. And then they can do a breathing technique when it comes up. And that also a panic attack has never killed anybody and yes. you're going to be fine. Yeah. So um, actually it, addresses what she goes through and uh you know the cbt the cognitive behavioral therapy is mm-hmm. a very good um treatment for uh this condition yeah that's what i just described is so you address that in your book that's awesome yeah, yeah. well and now this is not going to be available so it's going to be released on ten twenty eight. yeah so it's, it's not available next, now yeah next week awesome yeah but you have more and and actually going to be releasing books through the end of the year, right? Yeah. I, I can see this one is going to be right after Thanksgiving. And uh, so we introduce a new uh, we a new character, Rosa. And it's interesting. It says new kid. Yes, there's a new kid, but really the new kid is a new because there's a divorce. And that is a really, really stressful thing for kids to go through. And I love that you are talking about divorce in this book. And also that picture is just so sweet, right? (laughs) I mean, it just sort of makes me want to (laughs) cry. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, which one of us hasn't really been the new kid, right? You know, we've been the new kid one time or another. So, you know, I want to 
that's my way of adding a new character uh, where basically Rosa is um, she moves to the school because her parents are newly separated um, just trying to adjust and um, she was um, very standoffish just like most of us you know didn't know really how to make friends but luckily you know uh, Mira you know befriended her because she she knew how it was to be the new kid as well. So basically, this book kind of follows uh, Rosa to her journey. Um, you know, kind of first not really accepting her parents' divorce separation, and then later uh, getting really frustrated, and you know, eventually you know going through all the the stages of grief, um, and then you know getting therapy and getting help with her mom. Mm-hmm. So this you know this book actually addresses more you know dealing with. Uh, you know, depression and being the new kid and what to do. And again, same thing, those symptoms and symptoms and signs of depression that parents can look out for and, you know, the resources and what to do when you find these things. Yeah, because kids really love stability and structure. They don't know it, but they do. Uh, but but what you're addressing in this book is uh, if, if we're going through a separation, if mom and dad are separating and or divorcing, it is it is a loss, right? And it's a change, and it's a dis- disruption of stability and structure. And we have to figure out a new way to do things. And it's often really difficult for kids to do so. Um, just again, really appreciate you addressing that, and then introducing, uh, you know, Rosa here. Yeah. yeah, and and Mira. Now, Mira is uh, the one that was with the spelling bee. So you 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 actually sort of dovetail on onto these and and hook them all together it looks like yeah so basically the you follow the story it's just uh, actually going through uh, the progression of the year yeah yeah you know uh, just a normal school year things happen throughout the school year and same thing with this uh, series right right and I see that you introduced Tyler in this one. And this is another really big theme that comes up with when parents do not like the chosen friends. <laughs> and so if the kid has a friend and the father doesn't like him or the mother doesn't like him, and then the kid sneaks out. I mean, it just seems like there's a bunch of themes wrapped up into all of these books. And I really, really like uh, where this is is going here. I don't know if you have any more after this one, but what do you want to say about the the Adventures of Max and Friends and Tyler? Yeah, so again, um, this one kind of addresses, you know, what, what happens when the parents have this certain perspective with your friends and there's this uh, miscommunication and uh, where to do, where to go from that. Um, I think in this, in this story, I try to highlight that sometimes, you know, your perceptions can you know, be very inaccurate. So um, again, not to give the book away, but then, you know, what happens was that um, the, the dad actually gets saved by one of um, Tyler's friend's dad. And then um, because of that, he uh, he really changes his perspective and realizes that what, how his mindset was totally incorrect. Hmm. Yeah, a lot of times I think with parents though, there's so much emotional connection to the kids that they don't 
open up their minds as much uh, to the logical side of them because there's just so much emotion going on because this is my kid and I love my kid and I care about my kid. And I think balancing emotion and uh, and reason is always a really good practice. That's a DBT, like you had mentioned, cognitive behavioral therapy. There's dialectical behavior therapy as well that really helps you to balance acceptance and change. And also just to be able to uh, be more open-minded, more mindful. And uh, so that would be my contribution to this discussion is is maybe maybe yeah give uh, some parents some DBT skills, <laughs> and uh, we've got a lot of them here. So, and I think you've got another one. This is the one that's yeah. Oh, we got two more. Good lord, look at all this. <laughs> and again, these these are all artwork that you've done, correct? Yes. So this is more about online stuff, which is a really big concern in this day and age, right? Digital friends and spending more time with digital friends than real friends. And what do you want to highlight in this book? And what's what's sort of the message that you want to bring home? Yeah, so this book is actually um, me just more addressing um, internet safety. So the... Um, so Tyler, you know, he's kind of like the fifth man in their group where um, Myra and Rosa are good friends and Max and Terrence became good friends. Even he's he's in the group, but I think he, um, I think deep down he wants kind of a best friend to himself. And he thought he found that with uh, someone online, went through a game that he was playing. <laughs> but he uh, later realized that that's not really true. It's... Uh, it's not a uh, a child that he's playing with. So this book kind of highlights oh. internet and you know, sometimes things are not what they seem online, and uh, what things you can do to protect yourself from uh, you know being uh, from these you know predators out there. Oh my gosh! And I think parents would really appreciate too some tips about that as well. I don't know if you offer that in the book, but I know that. Some parents will have parental controls and control over phones and devices, but, you know, kids will be kids and they'll figure out ways, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think a lot of it's, it's me kind of speaking to the kids, you know, uh, be careful and things that you look out for. Um, a lot of times, just like I said, the predators kind of prey on kids that are looking for something. And so... You know, that's why in this book, kind of Tyler's kind of looking for a best friend. So that's where he fell into that trap. Nice, nice. Very, very good, very good topic here. Uh, and then here is the last, it says last summer, and I think that's probably the end of the school year, right? Yes. Uh, and so this actually, and it's again, the title does not actually reflect what what is in the con the text in the in yeah. the book, but it really reflects on losing a loved one. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that kids, we don't do a great job of, in our culture at least, educating kids about loss and about death, about illness, and comforting them and helping them feel their feelings through it. But what do you have to say about the context of, of this last summer book? Yeah, I mean, this is actually uh, a lot of stories is what I uh, pull from my experience, you know, I lost my grandma when um, I was 18. Um, 
even at 18, it was really hard. I didn't know how to really cope with it. That was like a, you know, losing a first member, family member that I was really close to. Mm-hmm. And no one really even talked to me much about death and you know what happens afterwards uh, growing up. So that's why I wrote this one to where Max actually loses his grandma. So this story goes back to Max's perspective and he visits his grandma during the summer and he uh, ends up losing his grandma. So uh, basically this book just shows you, you know, the emotions that you go through with a loss and, you know, how to cope with it, how to deal with it. And as a parent, you know, what you should do with as well, you know, just how to discuss um, death and losing a loved one with your kids in a way that, you know, that's, they can understand and digest and not, not so, not so, you know, roses and flowers type that they can't really comprehend. Yeah. Uh, there is a, uh, a, a book called uh, Get, or how parents can talk to kids and kids will listen. And uh, it tells a little story about this. And um, it, it just involves a little girl and her goldfish and her goldfish dies and so the typical parent response is, well, we'll just get you a new goldfish. Yeah. And, and uh, so, but the, the little girl is like, but I love Goldie and Goldie's now gone, you know? So they didn't, they don't t- typically take time to process that. Well, let's, uh, I, I remember this from my own childhood is like, we flushed the, the, the fish down the toilet. Um, and, and, um, that might be what parents do now, or they might be a little bit more sensitive, but let's give Goldie, um, a, you know, maybe a, a little a uh, little memorial or um, like maybe make a little drawing for her or just put something up so that you can remember her and let's cry about her. And when you're ready, we may get you another pet. It could be a goldfish, it could be a kitten or whatever. But I think, you know, that, I think that really, might be part of the the flavor of this book is that we really do need to let kids have the time uh, to to grieve if they need to yeah honor no, their feelings yeah i think you know the the message is everyone needs to grieve not kids or adults so we kind of have to respect that and kind of help that along sometimes if you never help it along they never really completely grieve yeah well, as you see at the end of this website, and I'll put the website here below in, in the notes and also in this film, uh, that we just navigate where Max goes. And what we do is we, we learn lessons about how parents and kids and other kids and kids can communicate about mental health issues through a school year. Is there anything else that you'd like to say about you, your practice, any products, services that you have available? Anything else you'd like to say before we close? Yeah, I mean, I, I think my uh, only takeaway message would be, you know, in uh, you know, in most education systems, including the U.S., you know, we we don't really have any uh, education on mental health. You know, we learn about writing, reading, math, science, history, art, even music, but there's really no education on mental health. I mean, there's even, you know, sex ed, but there's nothing on uh, mental health. And drugs too. They teach us about yeah. drugs. Yeah. So I, I think and like, to be perfectly honest, I mean, I didn't know much about mental health until I went to medical school either. Cause I mean, no one taught us and you know, there's no reason to look it up by yourself or talk to your friends about it. 
something that you know you kind of just deal with on your own so you know my call to action would be you know for parents to be more proactive rather than reactive uh you know it's good to kind of open up that line of conversation now before it actually happens and you never know you know being proactive might save your your child's life or your one of your child friend's life you know who knows but again you know be more proactive instead of reactive you know we're in a society where everything's so fast paced that we end up just being more reactive than proactive and sometimes we're so behind the ball that you know too little too late at sometimes being more proactive than reactive and i think the books that you have put out can help parents be more aware and proactive for sure. And I mean, who can, uh, who can lose with those drawings? I really, I cannot get over that. You actually did all your artwork too. That is just so, so cool. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on Calming the Chaos, uh, Dr. Dang. I really appreciated having you here and addressing this very important subject because uh, our kids are so fragile right now and um, they need to be, uh, they need, we need to hold space for them, I think. Yeah. All right. And um, so take care. And again, thank you for being a guest on Calming the Chaos podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Calming the Chaos podcast. You can find all Calming the Chaos podcasts on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Music, Spotify, Amazon, and on YouTube. You can also go to www.calmingthechaospodcast.com for more information and to see all podcast episodes. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to sharing my next podcast episode with you. In the meantime, take care.